Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. I want to talk to you tonight along the lines of overcoming weariness. Overcoming weariness. This is the time... You know, we're winding down a school year, gearing up for the summer, you know, and, and, and things can get busy, things can get congested, things, I mean, our summer feels like it's already booked up. I mean, it's just like almost every week something is happening, whether you're traveling, whether you're vacationing, whether you're planning things that you can't get done during the school year, those kind of things. But the, the Word of God tells us how to overcome weariness. We know this, weariness is not avoided. It's endured. Weariness is not avoided. It's endured. The Bible even tells us that uh, we can grow weary. Um, Galatians chapter uh, 6 tells us we can even grow weary while doing good. Sometimes we think weariness or tiredness is an indication I'm doing the wrong thing or I'm investing in the wrong way. But we can understand, man, we could be hard at the will of the Father, right smack dab in the middle of everything he's calling us to do. And still, this weariness will try to come upon us. Now, of course, there's natural means, natural measures, natural ways that we can try to counteract this. Uh, But how many of you have ever taken a vacation and then needed a vacation from vacation? Anybody been there? You know, I, I tell you what, if we try to just alone, uh, uh, you know, counteract weariness or tiredness or needing rest just on natural means alone, guys, we're going to be left just as weary as we were before, maybe even more worn out. A lot of people in the Bible got tired, even Jesus at one point in John chapter 4. When he ministers to the woman at the well, right? Says that he was tired from his travels, sent his disciples in to get food, and then he's asking her to get him a drink of water. I mean, uh, just physically exhausted, physically, uh, you know, in that state of weariness. But weariness compromises some things if we're not careful. Weariness, um, you know, can, can have some uh, uh, results in our life that are not gonna allow us to yield the most benefit and the most profitable, uh, uh, you know, results in our lives to allow us to accomplish what God's called us to do. And so we've got to understand how to address weariness, how to overcome weariness, how to endure this weariness. And in Ephesians chapter six, verse 10, it says, finally, everyone say finally. So basically he's saying in wrapping this thing up, this is the last chapter, everything that he's spoken in the book of Ephesians, um, everything from revealing who you are and what you have to you know how to operate as the body of Christ, how to love your spouse, how uh, children ought to honor their parents, how parents ought to honor their kids. I mean, he's covered it all. And then he says this, finally, be strengthened by the what? By the Lord and by his vast strength. How many of you know when we are depleted, even naturally, we can rely on strength from the Lord. We can tap into, you've got an extra supply. You've got an extra supply. We shouldn't grow weary as the world grows weary. And I'll I'll go a step further. We shouldn't respond to weariness as the world responds to weariness. Weariness 
uh, you know, trying to overcome weariness on natural means alone, it'll wear you out and it'll wear out your pocketbook. Huh? It's expensive trying to catch up on rest sometimes. It's expensive what you have to let go of just to have a day of doing nothing. And so, you know, we've got to understand how to tap into the strength of the Lord, how to be uh, vitalized, revitalized uh, by his strength through his vast strength. Verse 11 says, put on the full armor of God so that here it is so that you can stand against. Everyone say stand against. (coughs) Stand against the schemes of the devil. What's that tell us? That the devil is trying to wear you out. That is his goal. If he can't stop you, then his next point of attack is to wear you out so much that you have no strength to withstand or to fight against. This word stand against in the New King James, it reads withstand the schemes of the devil. Withstand, it means this, it means to outlast. It means to outlast. In essence, be the last man standing. Be the last man standing. Again, you're not gonna avoid weariness. You know, there's people that literally try to live a life of uh, avoiding weariness. They have their life so organized and they have their non-negotiables and they have all their natural means and their calories uh, are not calories. Well, for some people, calories. Some people try to diet themselves to a, a point of not becoming tired and weary. And all these things are important, but even your calendars, having it all structured and all these different things. But you know what? Sometimes we wear ourselves out trying to not get weary. Rather than just saying, I know that this is going to come. This is a point of attack from the enemy. He's trying to get me exhausted. He's trying to get me tired. He's trying to get me weary. He's trying to overwhelm me. Come on, any parents at the end of the school, you're getting in the overwhelmed state, right? You know, just all these different things. And then the enemy, if he can't overwhelm you with what's happening, he'll overwhelm you with what you think is going to happen. He starts using your imagination to start wearing you out. Oh, how are we going to go through? How are we going to make it through? How are we going to, he start, I mean, it hasn't even happened yet. He starts playing with your mind and he starts, he'll exhaust you from things that haven't even literally taken place yet. It is his job to wear you out. And he uses, this, this verse tells us, schemes. Meaning he's planning this. Guys, it te- it, this lets me know that I've got to know how to overcome this weariness because he's strategizing against me. He's planning an attack against me to wear me out, wear me thin on my last nerve, right? All these different things that we use. He's he's planning these attacks. He has literally got strategies to wear you down, break you down, overwhelm you, exhaust you to the point that you give in. When you are weary, you give up easier. I'll give you another one. When you're weary, you become distracted easy. Focus goes. Usually when someone is tired, when someone's weary, see, this is the thing. Your enemy knows the strength you have. Your enemy knows the potential you have. Your enemy knows what you're capable of. Your your enemy knows what this book says about you. Your enemy knows. 
So how do you defeat an, an, an opponent that you know is stronger than you? You break them down in the mind. You break them down in the mind. You start playing the mind games. You start, uh, you, know, uh, I, yeah, you know, I've grown up playing sports. You start using some trash talk. You start using little things. In baseball, we use all kinds of little mechanisms to break you down in your mind. Pitchers like to pitch on the inside, take away the inner half of the play, do certain things, just trying to get in your mind because I know you can hit off me. I know that you have, you, you are stronger, you are more talented, maybe more skillful, maybe more capable than me. But if I can get in your head, you won't reach your potential. If I can break you down in your mind, if I can get you tired here, if I can exhaust you here, if I can distract you here, then I've got an edge. I've got an advantage. You know, we used to do uh, church league uh, flag football. We need to look at kicking up something like that here. Anybody, any guys be interested? Uh, co-ed, let's do some co-ed. Got any co-ed, softball, co-ed, flag football, something? We need to get some athletics going. We need to get some competition up in here. Get some team spirit. We used to do, and when you're on that line, man, you got, you're standing across, I got you. Oh, you, you don't even know what, you know, you're getting in their head, you're, you, you're, you're you know, defending them and they're coming and you, you just start, you're faster than me, you're taller than me, you're stronger than me, but if I can break you down here, no pockets. Yeah, she says no pockets because... I broke my ring finger trying to pull someone's flag and stuck my hand in their pocket and it just snapped my finger right across there. Sure did. Yeah, if you're going to play flag football, you're not wearing pockets. That's the number one rule. That's the Pastor Mark rule. No pockets. Yep. It was on top of my, my ring finger was on top of my middle finger. That was fun. But you use these different tactics to what? Break them down in their mind because if I can overwhelm you in your mind, then I can override you. I can destroy you. I can defeat you in life. And this is what the enemy's doing. He's scheming this, planning this. It's a plan of attack of his to wear you down because he knows if you, if you outlast him, if you withstand him, you win, right? We're fighting from victory, not for victory. But you know how many believers he's got duped into thinking that they've got to fight for something that they already have? That's overwhelming. I'll give you another one that's overwhelming. Religion is overwhelming. Relig the religious life is an exhausting life because you'll never meet the standard on your own. You'll never meet the criteria. You'll never measure up. You'll never check all the boxes by yourself. He overwhelms us in these things. He overwhelms us in our marriages. He overwhelms us in our parenting. He overwhelms us in our identity and our worth and our value. He overwhelms us in our business and the things that you literally put your hand to. He overwhelms you in your influence. He's designed, his, his design, his mode of operation, if you will, is to break you down, is to wear you out. And let me tell you something, you can do it. You can outlast the devil. I got two amens on that one. You can out, if Jesus can defeat the enemy, being tempted after not eating 40 days and 40 nights, 
I love that passage. It says, and after, not, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he, be, he grew hungry. I would have been hungry by lunchtime on day one. <laughs> it's after 40 days. You know what? I could go for a snack right now. I'm like, dude, this is, we got 39 and a half more days of this. After all that, he still withstood, outlasted the devil. You can do it. And he used the word of God against him. He knew where to get his strength. He knew where to get his supply. He knew where to draw. Yes, Jesus was divinity. Jesus was God in the flesh, but he was operating out of humanity at this point. Just like you and I. And yet even in that moment, he withstood the enemy. You can do it. Verse 12 says that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. So here's one of the ways that the enemy dupes us. He gets us fighting the wrong battles. He gets us engaged in the wrong warfare, the wrong kind of warfare, the wrong enemy. You start fighting your husband or your wife. You start fighting your kids. You start warring with your boss. You start being challenged or challenging neighbors and people that you're supposed to be influencing. And the enemy, again, bringing these distractions in our mind, and we exhaust ourselves fighting the wrong battles, and we have no energy for the right battles. There's plenty of examples in the Word of God I can show you in the Old Testament where where people were fighting the wrong battle, and they had no energy left for the right battle. So he gets us off track. He gets us off of what we're supposed to be focused on. He says that we are not to be struggling against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, the authorities, the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. So knowing where your battle is, your battle is not your spouse. Your battle is not your kids. Your battle is not your uh, uh, job. Your battle is not your customers. Your battle is not your vendors. Your battle is not the people that you're leading or the people that are leading you. Your battle is with the enemy. He's trying to exhaust you and overwhelm you by getting you distracted on the wrong fight. No, we are to be fighting in the spiritual capacity, which means I need to be strengthened in the spiritual capacity. There's another verse, I think we'll look at it here later on, that tells us that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're not human. So we cannot war against the devil with natural means. You're not going to overcome the devil with natural means. You're actually going to succumb to the devil by natural means alone. Now, the Holy Spirit, through, through the inward witness, can show you what natural means to use. Absolutely. But it's first determined and dictated by the Spirit of God, not by, I know how I'm going to handle this. I know how I'm going to do. And and you find yourself, again, more tired than you were when you even went in. we got to overcome this weariness. Amen? Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, against rulers, authorities, powers of this darkness, evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. Guys, with everything that we're seeing in our country today, it's exhausting, isn't it? It's exhausting scrolling through and reading what's going on, watching all the little clips and the little triggers that that show up. And it's just like, how much darker can it get? 
How much depraved, how much more depraved can it, it's exhausting. It'll literally, you'll, you'll feel like you just worked out for an hour and a half. It'll feel like you just worked an eight-hour day thumbing through something for 20 minutes and just seeing the wickedness and see, and the enemy knows. This is, this is what I've learned about these, uh, uh, these uh, opposing forces, this wickedness. They don't mind if you talk about them or talk against them as long as you're talking as long as they're in your mouth, as long as they're on your mind. Because they know it wears you out. They know this. They're just gonna keep it in the headline. Even if your headlines are negative, they wanna keep it in the headline. They're gonna wear us down, guys. They're wearing the church down. The church is not at full strength in these last days. The church is is not arising, but this church will arise. I said, this church will arise. This church will be at full strength. We refuse to be worn down by the headlines, by the, de- by the depravity, by the wickedness, by the stuff that's just in the face of God. I, I, I refuse your agenda in your way. And the enemy knows he's, he's trying to break down the church little by little with these methods and these measures. And we've gotta learn how to cut these things off. We gotta learn how to overcome the weariness. We are not defeated because we can't win. We're defeated because we won't win. We're not defeated because we can't fight back. It's because we are so tired and exhausted that we won't fight back. We literally get worn down. Verse 13, he says, for this reason, take up the full armor of God. And this is it right here. Why? So that you may be able to resist. Everyone say resist. What is the level of our resistance? What is the capacity of our ability to resist that which is resisting us? If you serve the kingdom in any degree, you're gonna be opposed. You're gonna be challenged. You're gonna be questioned. You're gonna be mocked. I mean, Jesus promised this, right? He said, man, the, the, the servant is gonna get treated like the master. If they killed me, they're hunting you down too. You're gonna, you, you wanna share in my blessing, you're gonna have to share in my suffering as well. We already know how the, the world is gonna perceive the church in these last days. We already know it's only gonna grow darker in in that regard. We we already know how this thing plays out. We already know that many will fall away. Many will, will, will get worn down, even in the church. That's exhausting too, watching people in the church that have the capacity have the ability, have the, the, the God-given potential on the inside to overcome, and you watch them get wore down, beat down, eventually fall away, slip. I'm not talking about a hard 90. They just decide to walk away from God. We're talking about little pieces over time, little incremental steps over time. But before you know it, we have no ability to resist. He says, no, you need to be able to resist in the evil day. And then he says this, in having prepared everything, which means you've exerted energy toward this. Having done all to stand is what the New King James says. Having done all to stand, stand therefore. Here it says, having prepared everything to take your stand. So this would be sad if we prepared everything 
to stand and then we fall. We, we, we've, what, we've worked all the way up to this point to be able to withstand in the evil day and we get knocked down. We get worn down. We get overwhelmed. No, we've got to be able to resist the enemy, outlast the enemy, withstand the enemy and his attacks in these last days. Amen? Verse 14 says then, stand therefore. Everyone say stand. Stand therefore with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. He's just showing us some ingredients that we can utilize in our life that'll help us resist. It'll help protect us, but it'll help us with, withstand and outlast the enemy. In every situation, verse 16, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. He goes on to say, pray at all times in the spirit. Pray at all times in the spirit with every prayer and request. Stay alert, he says, with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. Pray for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth. And again, the withstanding that he's talking about, he's literally talking about the gospel being opposed. I'm working to get the gospel out. I'm jailed. I'm, I'm imprisoned. I'm, a, I'm an ambassador in chains, he says. I'm literally having to endure this from a prison cell. And every time I go into a city, I've got Judaizers coming in behind me and challenging and questioning and overriding and overthrowing everything that I just ministered. I mean, he's literally facing real attacks. Not only that, but his life is on the line. There's people that want to kill him. He was stoned to death and left for dead at one point. And now he's at a point where he's imprisoned. And now his life is on the line by people that want to take him out because they believe he's breaking the law. Believe that he's generating a, 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 an uprising against the government. Right? I mean, he's getting hit on all sides. This is Paul writing this. So he's having to really withstand some things. So he says, pray for me that the message may be given to me when I open my mouth to make known. With what? Boldness. With boldness. So we're not just trying to get the message out. We're trying to get it out with boldness. I don't want to weaken the faith in my presentation. I don't want to weaken the gospel by bringing to you a weak gospel, a barely make it by gospel. I want to bring you an overcoming gospel. I want to bring you a gospel that brings you out. I want a gospel that has the power to redeem your life and save your soul. And so I've got to present this with boldness, he says. He says this in verse 20, for this, I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I might be bold enough to speak about it as I should. In Joshua chapter one, <clears throat> in Joshua chapter one, In Joshua chapter one, we've got the, the Israelites 2.0, if you will, because the first group died off in the wilderness. Those that were actually brought out and uh, uh, saved 
redeemed by Moses, brought out of Egyptian slavery, but we know that they failed to enter the promised land because they would not believe. They would not believe in the word and believe in the promise and keep the faith that this was their land, this was their territory as promised to them, and they circled the wilderness for 40 years. That's exhausting, isn't it? That's overwhelming. You thought slavery was, was awful. You thought slavery was, I mean, they start, it, it was so bad in the wilderness, they desired to go back to slavery. Why? Because freedom is burdensome. I said, freedom is burdensome. People don't realize this. Oh, if I could just be free. There's more responsibility required of you in freedom than there is in slavery. In slavery, you're told what to eat. You're provided for. They'll put a roof over your head. You're taken care of. In freedom, you got to do all that for yourself. And so people have this misconception. If I could just get out of here, if I could just get free, and they don't know how to maintain their freedom and maintain their liberty and maintain the, 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 the freedoms that have come to them. And so they found themselves, we say it all the time, God was able to bring them out of Egypt, but he could not get Egypt out of them. Even geographically being transformed and transitioned from slavery to freedom, they still lived like slaves and thought like, why? Because the enemy beat them down in their mind. This is everything we're talking about. They couldn't withstand, they couldn't outlast believing that there was a promise, believing that there was a territory. Even when they saw the promise, this is why weariness is so bad. This is why weariness is so dangerous because you can even put eyes, lay eyes on the promise and think you're too small, too inferior, come on, too tired, too weak to take the territory which is exactly what they did. They said what? We are just as grasshoppers in their eyes. This is what weariness will do. Weariness will, will shape your thinking and mold your thinking to your conditions rather than your position. What was their position? Their position was victorious. Their position was, we own that land. The, the position was, that's our title deed. Now we need to go in and fight for it and take it back. It belongs to us. But rather they live by their condition. There's no way we could fight them. They're greater than us. These cities are fortified. We're just like little grasshoppers in their sights. There's giants in the land. And they gave every excuse why they couldn't take a land that was already theirs because they were weary. So that group had to die off. And in Joshua chapter one, God transitions. Moses is gone. Joshua is installed now as the new leader. The only people that we have existing other than Joshua and Caleb are those that were born in the wilderness, those that did not know slavery. 20 and under, 20 and under. God said, I can't go in with the bunch that came out of slavery. They won't change their mind. They're wore down <clears throat> in their thinking. They're exhausted in their thinking. And so we see some words here. Look at um, <clears throat> verse three, Joshua 1 verse three. I have given you every place. I have given you. I have given you. Know this, that this is why you are here standing, outlasting, because it's already yours. 
You take possession by remaining. Jesus said this, occupy till I come. Meaning just maintain a presence. I just need you to hang out. I just need you to maintain this is, this is ours. This belongs to us. Someone's going to try to come and take it from you. And you just have to outlast. I have given you every place where the sole of your foot treads, just as I promised Moses. Your territory will be from the wilderness in Lebanon to the great river to the Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites west of the Mediterranean Sea. Look at verse six. Uh, look at number, number five, verse five, verse five. No one will be able to what? Stand against you. <laughs> this is what we're talking about. If you don't grow weary, you win. If you don't grow tired, it's yours. If you don't give in, give up, lay down, you get, to, you get to walk into everything he's made available for you. This is our reality in the kingdom of God, guys. This belongs to us. This is why kingdom inheritance is so important, what we're talking about on Sundays. Because once you know what belongs to you, then you'll fight to maintain it and keep it and not give it up so easily. No, this is my marriage. This is my family. Those are my kids. This is my territory. This is my sphere of influence. You won't give up Valdosta. You won't give up the schools. You won't give up the politics and the government figures. You won't let someone just come in and drive you out of town. You're, no, I'm occupying. I'm occupying. I'm staying. You can't move me off. You, you cannot stand against me. You cannot resist me. You cannot overwhelm me. You're trying to exhaust me. I know what you're trying to do. I know the tactic you're using. I know the ploy you're bringing. I know the strategy you're, you're trying to bring against me. You're just trying to wear me out, but I'm not going anywhere. And I'm not going anywhere. I'm not moved by what I see. I'm not moved by what I hear. I'm not moved by how I feel. My conditions don't change my internal position. He said it belongs to me. No one will be able to stand against you. As long as you live. He says this, I will be with you. I will be with you. I heard someone say recently, it's just so powerful. We know without him, we can do nothing. But we have failed to know what we can do with him. We know without God, we can do nothing. But we have failed to discover what we can do with him what's possible with him, what's possible with him by our side, going before us, standing behind us. He's got you covered, full 360. You are totally protected. He's got every side covered. What can we do with him? He says, I will be with you. Just as I was with Moses, I will not leave you or abandon you. So he says what? Verse six, be strong, and courageous. Now notice, everything is already given to them. Everything's in their possession. Yet, I still need to be strong and courageous. Why? Someone's going to try to take it. Guys, they weren't going into Jericho trying to take Jericho. They're trying to keep those in Jericho from taking what is already theirs. Before it belonged to them, it belonged to Abraham. He marked this thing out way before <laughs> way before these Israelites even showed, thousands of years before, he's already carved out, that's their land. This belongs to my people. And no matter who takes ownership in the meantime, 
They're only holding it for my people. (laughs) See, when you get this picture, when you get this image, when you get this knowledge and this revelation, you won't easily give up what God has already told you is yours. Even if the enemy's already inhabiting it. Even if it looks like the enemy is already controlling it. Even if it looks like the enemy is currently working in it, operating in it. You'll go in and say, no, that's mine. You can't have that. He he told my forefathers. He told my my father Abraham, right? This belongs to me. This is my possession. This is my territory. Thank you for holding it for me. Now I need it back. Thank you. Thank you very much. I'm going to occupy now. I'm going to occupy. Amen. You got to flip it. Be strong and courageous. For you will distribute the land, I swore to you, to their ancestors to give them as an inheritance. There's that word inheritance. We're talking about that on Sundays. Above all, he tells them again, be strong and very courageous. You think he's trying to get a message across? So now the second time he's told them, be strong and courageous. This is not an occupy of, I'll just hang out and hold it until you come back. No, you're going to have to withstand some things. You're going to have to resist some opposition. There's going to be some things that are going to try to come in. They're going to try to move you, shake you, manipulate you, deceive you, exhaust you, overwhelm you. No, I'm not moved. I'm occupying. Be strong and very courageous to observe carefully the whole instruction Now, I want you to look at this connection here. The whole instruction my servant Moses commanded to you, commanded you, do not turn from it to the right or to the left so that you will have success wherever you go. So I wonder, is weariness, does weariness cause distraction or does distraction cause weariness? He's saying, I need you laser focused, centered, not looking to the right or to the left, not considering alternatives. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. Let that man not think that he'll get anything from the Lord. If it's yours one minute and not yours the next, if your marriage is good one minute and not good the next, if your children are the Lord's one minute and not the next, then you are unstable. You are double-minded. You are not convinced. You're considering alternatives. You're looking at other options. You are being moved by the conditions and you're not remaining occupied on the position. And he's saying here, if you get distracted, you'll get defeated. If he can distract you, he'll defeat you. I need you centered. Don't go to the right or to the left. Look at the whole instruction. Instruction who? My servant Moses commanded you. Meaning the same instruction in the last season is the same instruction I'm using in this season. We didn't change leaders and get a different instruction. God's not given a different command. Moses and uh, uh, the Israelites that wandered the wilderness were unable to go in, but it's the same template. It's the same plan. If my word worked for them, it'll work for you. The only reason it didn't work for them is because they didn't work the word. 
because they didn't stay fixed on the instruction. They saw uh, alternatives. They saw giants, and the, and the giants that they saw moved them off of the word that I had given. Do not turn from the right, from it to the right or to the left, so that you will have, I love when you see a so that, because it lets you know a direct connection. Do this, this is the result, so that you will have success wherever you go. This book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. Now he's letting us know that what you're saying can cause weariness. What you're saying can move you off of the promise. If we say the wrong things, guys, when you are enduring, persevering, going through something and weariness is starting to try to come up, we don't avoid it, we endure it, we overcome it, watch your mouth. Watch what you're saying. Watch, because the first thing that goes is your mouth. You start complaining, you start grumbling, you get disgruntled, you talk more about what's not happening than what you know could happen, than the promise of God. Keep your mouth, if you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. Our moms knew what they were telling us. They knew what they were saying. He says, you get distracted, you become defeated. But if you start talking the wrong stuff, you start saying the wrong things. You'll talk yourself out of what I'm talking you into. I'm talking you into the land and you're talking yourself right back out of it. There's no way we could do this. Oh, this is overwhelming. Oh, this is too big. Oh, this is too much. I don't know how much more of this I can take. You start saying stuff like, no, nah, the joy of the Lord is my strength. I can overcome. I can persevere. I have self-control. I can endure. Those who endure to the end shall be saved. You start getting the word of God in your mouth because his word in your mouth is just as powerful as his word in his mouth. It'll produce results. Life and death are in the power of the tongue. So I can either speak life into this situation. I'm not seeing anything but death, Pastor Mark. I understand. Start speaking life. If you'll say it, you'll see it. But instead of saying, instead of seeing what we say, we end up saying what we see. Anybody can say what they see. Anybody. It takes zero faith to say what you see. No faith is working. I do not have to use faith to say, there is an empty water bottle on this stage right there in front of me. It's got a blue label. I'm, I'm utilizing no faith whatsoever. It's there. I can see it. But now to say the word of God, even though I don't see the word of God working, see, this is the stuff people don't want to hear. This is the stuff that we'll, we'll, we'll go to counseling sessions, we'll go to meetings, and we'll sit down and talk with people, but they don't want to hear this is how you approach and see victory come in your life. 
They wait until they start seeing little inklings or little trails of, 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 of stuff. They start putting out fleeces and, God, I need to know you're working. I need to know where you... Now, you got the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you, reminding you of the word. That's his job description. I will remind you of the things Jesus said. I will be a reminder. I'll be a guide. I'll be a leader. I'll guide you into all truth. And we don't lean on the Holy Spirit. We wonder why we're wore out, bogged down exhausted, overwhelmed. I can't do this anymore. I, got, I, I, can't, I can't take this anymore. I'm, it's killing me. These are literally the words coming out of our mouths. And we're not successful in all of our ways. These verses work. These words work. They absolutely do. But we've got to endure and overcome some weariness. You meditate on it day and night that you may carefully observe everything written in it. The New King James reads, carefully observe to do. So the third ingredient is faithful obedience. Number one is don't get distracted. Number two is keep the word in your mouth. Number three is faithful obedience. You know how many people I see give up too soon, uproot too soon, run somewhere else too soon, lay down. And I mean, you're talking... We, I mean, we see it in Numbers 13. They're on the edge of blessing. If you only knew how close you were. If you only knew how close you were. If you only knew it's right on the, just, mm, just stick with it. Faithful obedience. Commit to enduring through, overcoming the exhaustion, overcoming the weariness. This is how we overcome weariness. We keep our eyes fixed, laser focused. Do not be distracted. Keep the word of God in your mouth. Keep the promise in your mouth. If you can't speak the promise, then don't say anything at all. And then thirdly is faithful obedience. Yielded obedience. Keep staying with what he's called you to do. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. And then for a third time, haven't I commanded you, here it is, be strong and courageous. He's reminding us it's gonna take some tenacity. It's gonna take some intentionality. It's gonna, you're, not gonna, you're not gonna achieve the promises of God on accident. It's not gonna be a passive approach that overcomes. It's the one fixed it's the one laser focused. It's the one that does not uh, yield to distraction. It's the one that keeps the word of God in their mouth. Even though they're tempted to say what they see, they know that they will eventually see what they say. And then it's those that stay faithful to the process, obedient to the process, keep the word of God. Don't move to the right or to the left. You will be prosperous. You will succeed. Haven't I commanded you be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged. What's that tell me? The two things I'll be tempted on, tempted in on the way to my promise. I'll become afraid and I'll be discouraged. He's letting us know. He's letting us know how, what, what does weariness do? It breaks you down to where fear easily overwhelms you. Those that become fearful have first grown weary, grown tired. 
It's easy to become fearful when you're already tired and exhausted. Those that become discouraged in their mind, it's because they've allowed weariness to creep in and overwhelm them. This is what he says, for the Lord your God is with you. It's not about what's against you. It's about who is with you. The degree of our opposition that our faith can, the the degree of opposition our faith can withstand is directly tied to the degree of attention we give to God's word. I'll say that again. The degree of opposition your faith can withstand is directly tied to to the degree of attention. Guys, if I don't stay in this, You're one step toward weariness. You're one step to yielding to the exhaustion. When we're exhausted, we make poor decisions. Have you noticed that? You know what? It'd be better for me just to wait until tomorrow, get a good night's rest. I don't need to decide on this right now. Don't, don't, Don't ever make altering decisions when you're weary. Get the rest of the Lord. I want to take us to that verse real quick. I don't think we hit half the verses I had, but this one we want. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. You getting anything out of this tonight? Guys, if, if we don't get this, you'll come back in August and you'll be just as tired as you were in May. And you'll have done all the trips and you have done all the beaches and you've been sunburnt and, and, and peeling and and you know, traveled the, the United States, traveled the globe with your kids, and you'll be just as exhausted as you were before you left. These are the things we gotta understand. Matthew chapter 11, verse 20. I'm gonna read this out of the Passion Translation. Are you weary, carrying a heavy burden? Come to me. I will refresh your life, for I am your oasis. This is what I know. If things are getting to you, you're not getting with him. I'll say that again. If things are getting to you, if life is getting to you, if problems are getting to you, if challenges are getting to you, you're not spending time getting with him. Spend time with him. Over these summer months, don't let devotion go by the wayside. As much as you can be here, be here. Don't take a Sunday and say, you know, you're in town. It's like, well, you know, it's, 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 it's summer mode. I'm in summer mode. There is no summer mode with God. He doesn't, have, he doesn't operate the same calendar we do. Be in the house. Be around like-minded believers. Be in the word of God. Keep yourself devoted to the disciplines and the devotions. And, and, and guys, if you're not going through something, then go ahead and proactively center yourself on these things because something's coming up around the corner. I just showed you it's his strategy. I just showed you it's his plan. He wants to move us. He wants to overwhelm us. He wants to exhaust us. We're not gonna grow exhausted. We got too much to do. I said, we got too much to do. You know, when you you are going through a fight, you know, there's gonna be a tiredness, but tiredness in survival mode looks way different than tiredness in victory mode. It looks different. If someone's just trying to, I'm just barely making it. 
this might be a good time to evaluate some things. Take some internal inventory of, this is occupying too much of my time. This is taking up too much of my uh, energy. Some of us spend energy just doing this. Just moving our thumb. But we're exhausting ourselves on, on the appetite and the diet that is not feeding us. It's destroying us. It's wearing us down from the inside out. Feed on this. This always leaves you full. This always leaves you built up. This always leaves you encouraged. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website, at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.